Chapter 46, Baba's Gaya Trip, Story of Goats. This chapter describes Sharma's trip to Kashi, Prayag and Gaya and how Baba in the form of his portrait was there ahead of him. It also describes Baba's reminiscences of the past birth of two goats. Preliminary, blessed O Sai, you are the, I, blessed O Sai are your feet, blessed is your remembrance and blessed is your darshan, which liberates us from the bond of karma. Through your form, the, is, though your form is invisible to us now, Still, if the devotees believe in you and they get living experiences from you, by an invisible invisible and subtle thread, you draw your devotees from far and near to your feet and embrace them like the kind and loving mother. The devotees do not know where you are, but, but you so skillfully pull the wires that they ultimately realize that you are behind them to help and support them. The intelligent, wise and learned folk fall into the pit of a sansar on account of, your, of their egoism. But you save, but you save by your power the poor, simple, and devout persons, inwardly and invisibly. You play all the game, but show that you are not connected with it. While you do things, but pose yourself as a non-doer, nobody ever knows your life. The best course, therefore, is for us to surrender our body, speech, and mind to your feet, and always chant your name for destroying our sins. You fulfill the wishes of the devotees and to those who are without any desire. You give bliss supreme. The chanting of your sweet name is the easiest sadhana for devotees. By this sadhana, our sins, rajas and tamas, qualities will vanish. The sattva qualities and righteousness will gain predominance. And along with this, discrimination, dispassion and knowledge will follow. Then we shall abide in ourself and our guru, who are one and the same. This is what is called complete surrender to the guru. The only sure sign of this is that our mind gets calm and peaceful. The greatness of this surrender, devotion and knowledge is unique for peace, non-attachment, fame and salvation. Come in its wake. If Baba accepts a devotee, he follows him and stands by him, day and night, at his home, abroad. Let the devotee go anywhere he likes. Baba is there ahead of him in some form, in the inconceivable manner. The following story illustrates this. The Gaia Trip Sometime after Kaka Saheb Dixit was introduced to Sai Baba, he decided to perform the thread Upanyan ceremony of his eldest son, Babu, at Nagpur. At about the same time, Nana Saheb Chandorka decided to perform the marriage ceremony of his eldest son at Gwalia. Both Dixit and Chandorka came to Shirdi and lovingly invited Baba for these functions. Baba asked them to take Sharma at his, as his representative. When he was pressed to come in person, Baba told them to take Sharma with them and said, after doing Banaras and Prayag, we will be ahead of Sharma. Now mark these words, for they show Baba's all-pervasiveness. After, after taking the permission of Baba, Sharma decided to go to Nagpur and Gwalia for these functions and ceremonies, and then to Kashi, Prayag and Gaya. Appa Kote made up his mind to accompany him. They both went first to Nagpur for the thread ceremony. Gakasaheb Dixit gave Sharma 200 rupees for his expenses. Then they went to Gwalia for the marriage ceremony. There Nana Saheb Chandorka gave Sharma 100 rupees and his Vyahi relative, Mr. Jatta, gave him also 100 uh, rupees. Then Sharma went to Kashi and then to Ayodhya as well as receive, as well, he was well received in Jatta's beautiful temple of Lakshmi Narayan at Kashi and at Ram Mandir at Ayodhya by Jatta's manager. They stayed for 21 days in Ayodhya and two months at Kashi. Then they left for Gaya. 
In the train they felt little uneasy on hearing that plague was prevailing in Gaya, and might at night they alighted at Gaya station and stayed at the Dharamshala in the morning. The Gayawala, the priest who arranges for lodgings and boardings of the pilgrims, came there and said, The pilgrims have already started. You better make haste. Sharma casually asked him whether there was a plague in Gaya. No, said the Gayawala. Please come without any fear or anxiety and see yourself. They then went with him and stayed at his house, which was a big and spacious wada. Sharma was pleased with the accommodation provided to him, but what pleased him most was the beautiful and big portrait of Baba fixed in the central and front portion of the building. On seeing his portrait, Sharma was overwhelmed with emotion. He remembered Baba's words, namely, after doing Kashi and Prayag, we would go ahead, we would be ahead of Sharma. He and he burst into tears. His hair stood on end, his throat was choked, and he began to sob. The Gayawala thought that he was afraid of plague prevailing there, and therefore was crying. But Sharma inquired from him how he got Baba's portrait there. He replied that he had 200 to 300 agents working in Manmad and Putambe for looking after the convenience of the pilgrims uh, to, to Gaya, and from them he heard about Baba's fame. Then about 12 years ago he went to Shirdi and took Baba's darshan. There he was attracted to Baba's portrait, hung in Sharma's house, and with Baba's permission, Sharma gave it to him. He was, this was the same portrait. Sharma then remembered the incident. The Gayawala's joy knew no bounds when he learnt that the same Sharma who obliged him before was his guest now. Then, he both, then they both exchanged love and service and was most delighted and happy. The Gayawala gave him a royal welcome. He was, very much, he was a very rich man. He sat in a palanquin and made Sharma ride the elephant and attend to all his comforts and conveniences. The moral of the story is that Baba's words came out true to the letter, and unbounded was his love towards the devotees. But leave this aside, he also loved all creatures equally, for he felt that he was one with them, and, followed, and, and the following story will illustrate this. Two goats. Baba was once returning from Lendi when he saw a flock of goats. Two of them attracted his attention. He went to them, caressed and fondled them, and brought them for 32 rupees. The devotees were surprised at this conduct of Baba. They thought that Baba was duped in the bargain and the goats would fetch two rupees each, or the most three, four, or maybe even eight rupees for both. They began to take Baba to task for this, but Baba kept calm and cool. Sharma and Tatikotel asked Baba for an explanation. He said he did not care for the sto- he did not care to store money as he had no home or family to look after. He asked them to purchase at his, at his cost four sears of dal lentils to feed the goats. After this was done, Baba returned to the goats and returned the goats to the owner of the flock and he gave out the following reminiscences, reminiscences the story of the goats. O Sharma and Tatya, you think that I have been deceived in this bargain. No, listen to their story. In a former birth they were human beings and had the good fortune to be with me and sit by my side. They were uterine brothers loving each other initially but later on they became enemies. The elder brother was an idle fellow while the younger one was a very active chap and earned a lot of money. The former became greedy and jealous and wanted to kill his younger brother and take away his money. They forgot their fraternal relations and began to quarrel with each other and began to quarrel with each other. Their elder brother resorted to many devices to kill his younger brother, but all his attempts failed. Thus they became deadly enemies, and finally, on the occasion, the elder gave the deadly blow with a big stick on the latter's head, while the latter struck the former with an axe. 
with the result that they both fell dead on the spot. As a result of their actions, they were born both as goats. As they passed, as they passed me by, I at once recognized them. I remembered their past history. By taking pity on them, I wanted to feed them and give them rest and comfort. And for this reason, I spent all the money for which you blame me. As you did not like my bargain, I sent them back to the shepherd. Such was Sai's love for the goats. Bow to Sri Sai. Peace be to all. Sri Satchitananda Sadguru Sainath Maharaj Ki Jai. Chapter 47 Baba's Reminiscences, Reminiscences The Story of Veer Badrapa and Ten Basapa, Snake and Frog The last chapter described Baba's reminiscences about two goats. This chapter described more such reminiscences as, related, as relates to the story of Veer Badrapa and Ten Basapa. Preliminary Blessed is the face of Sai. If we cast a glance at him for a moment, he destroys the sorrows of many past births and confers great bliss on us. And if he looks at us with grace, our bondage of karma is immediately snapped away, and we are led to happiness. The river Ganges washes away the dirt and sins of all the people who go to, to her for the bath. But she intently longs for the saints to come to her and bless her with a touch of their feet and remove all the filth, the sins accumulated in her. She knows for certain that this can only be removed by the holy feet of the saints. Sai is a crest jewel of the saints, and now hear from him the following purifying story. The snake and the frog. Sai Baba said, One morning after taking my breakfast, I strolled along till I came to a small river bank. As I was tired and rested there, I washed my hands and feet and had a bath and felt refreshed. There was a footpath and a cart track sheltered by shady trees. The breeze was blowing gently and was preparing, and I was preparing to smoke chillum. I heard the croaking of a frog. I was striking the flint and lighting the fire when a traveller turned up, sat by my side, bowed down to me and politely invited me to his house for meals and rest. He, li he lit up the pipe and handed it over to me. The croaking was heard again and he wanted to know what it was. I told him that the frog was in trouble and was tasting the bitter fruit of its own karma. We have to reap now the fruit of what we sow in our past life and there is no use crying about it now. Then he smoked and handed over the pipe to me and said that he would go there in person and see for himself. I told him that the frog was caught in it by a big snake and was crying. Both were very wicked in their past life and were now reaping the fruit of their actions in the present, in the present bodies. And, when, and, and he went and found that a huge black serpent was holding a big frog in his mouth. He returned to me and said that in about 10 or 12 minutes, the frog would be eaten up by the snake. I said, no, this can't be. I am its father, protector, and I am here now. How shall I allow the snake to eat it up? I am here. For, am I here for nothing? Just see how I release it. After smoking again, he walked up to the place. He was afraid and asked me not to proceed further, as the snake might attack us. Not minding him, I went ahead and addressed the creatures thus. O Virbhadrapa, has not your enemy, has not your enemy Basapa yet repented? Though he has been born as a frog, and you too, though born as a serpent, still hold bitter enmity against him. Be ashamed for, of yourself. Give up your hatred now and rest it in peace. On hearing these words, the snake left the frog quickly and dived into the river and disappeared. The frog also jumped away and hid itself in the bushes. The traveller was much surprised 
He said that he could not understand how the snake dropped the frog and disappeared on hearing the words. Who was Virbhadrapa and who was Basapa? And what was the cause of their enmity? I returned with him to the foot of the tree and after sharing again a few puffs of smoke with him, I explained the whole mystery to him as follows. There was an incident, a holy place, sanctified by a temple of Mahadev, about four or five miles from my place. The temple was old and dilapidated. The residents of the place collected funds for its repairs, and after the large amount was collected, arrangement for worship was made, and plans with estimates for repairs were prepared. A rich local man was appointed the treasurer, and the, and the whole work was entrusted to him. He was to, he was to keep regular accounts and be on, honest in all his dealings. He was a first-class miser and spent very little for his repairs, which consequently made very little progress. He spent all the funds, swallowed some amount himself, and spent nothing from his pockets. He had a sweet tongue and was very clever in offering plausible explanations regarding the proper and tardy progress of the work. The people again went to him and said that unless he lent his helping hand and tried his best, uh, the work would not be complete. They requested him to work out the same and again collected subscriptions and sent the amount to him. He received it but sat as quiet as before, without making any progress. After some days, God Mahadev appeared in his wife's dream and said to her, You get up, build, this, build the dome of the temple. I will give you a hundredfold of what you spend. She told this vision to her husband. He was afraid that it would, not, it would involve him in expenses, and therefore laughed it off, saying that it was a mere dream, a thing not to be relied and acted upon. And why, else, well, why did not God appear to him in his dream and tell him about it? Was he far off from her? This looks like a bad dream, having its object of creating or ill-feeling between husband and wife. She had to remain quiet. God does not like big subscriptions and donations collected against the wishes of the donors, but he likes ever trifling amounts given with love, devotion and gratitude. Some days after, God again appeared in her dream and said, Do not bother yourself about your husband and the collections within, with him. Don't press him to spend money for the, any money for the temple. What I want is bother and devotion, so give, if you like, anything of your own. She consulted her husband about the vision and decided to give God her ornaments given by her father. The miser felt disconcerted and decided to cheat even God in this item. He undervalued the ornaments at a thousand rupees and bought them himself in lieu of the amount given a barren field of, and gave a barren field to God as endowment or security. The wife agreed to this. The field or land was not his own. It belonged to one poor woman named Dubaki, who mortgaged it to him for 200 rupees. She was not able to redeem it for long, so the cunning miser cheated all, his wife, Dubaki, and even God. The, latter, the land was sterile and uncultivated, and worth nothing, and yielded nothing, even in the best seasons. Thus, it, thus ended the transaction, and the land was given in the possession of the poor priest, who was pleased with the endowment. Sometime later, strange things happened. There was a terrific storm, a heavy downpour. Lightning struck the house of the miser when he and his wife both died. Dubaki also breathed her last. In the next life, the rich miser was born as in born at Mathura as a Brahmin family, in a Brahmin family, and was named Virbhadrapa. His wife, his devout wife, was born as the daughter of the priest in the temple and was named Gauri. The woman Dubaki, the mortgager, the the mortgager, mortgager, was born as a male in the family of Gaurav, attendant of the 
uh, temple and was named Chen Basapa. The priest was a friend of mine. He often came to me, chatted and smoked with me. His daughter Gauri was de also devoted to me. She was growing fast and her father was seeking a good husband for her. I told him not to worry about this as the bridegroom himself would come seeking her. Then there came a boy named Virbhadrapa, wandering and begging his bread the priest, uh, to the priest's house. With my consent, Gauri was given in marriage to him. He was also devout, devoted to me initially as I recommended his marriage with Gauri, but later became a miser. Even in this new life, he was hankering after money and asked me to help him to get it as he was leading a married man's life. Strange things happened. There was a sudden rise in prices. By Gauri's good luck, there was great demand for land and the land was sold for one lakh of rupees, a hundred times worth her ornaments. Half of the amount was paid in cash and the remaining was paid in 25 installments of 2,000 rupees each. All, all agreed that this transaction to this transaction but began to quarrel over the money. They came to me for consultation. I told them the property belonged to God and was vested in the priest and that Gauri was his sole heiress and proprietress and no amount should be spent without her consent and that her husband had no right whatsoever to the amount. On hearing my opinion, Virbhadrapa was wroth with me and said that I wanted to establish Gauri's claim and embezzle her property. On hearing his words, I remembered God and kept quiet. Virbhadrapa scolded his wife, Gauri, and she, became, and she came to me at noon and requested me not to mind the words of others and not to, be and not to discard her as she was my daughter. As she, as she thus sought my protection, I gave her a pledge that I would cross the seven seas to help her. Then that night, Gauri had a vision. Mahadev appeared in her dream and the whole money, and he said, the whole money is yours. Do not give anything to anybody. Spend some amount for temple purposes in consultation with Chen Basapa. And if you want to use it for some other purpose, consult Baba in the Mastib. Gauri told me the vision and I gave her the proper advice in the matter. I told her to take the principal or capital amount for, of, to herself, give half the amount of the interest to Chen Basapa and that Virbhadrapa had nothing to do in the matter. While I was talking thus, both, both Virbhadrapa and Chen Basapa came there quarrelling. I tried my best to pacify them and told them God's vision to Gauri. Virbhadrapa got wild and angry and threatened to kill Chen Basapa, cutting him into pieces. The latter was timid and caught my feet and sought my refuge. I pledged myself to save him from the wrath of his foe. Then after some time, Virbhadrapa died and was born as a snake, and Chen Basapa died and was born as a frog. On hearing the croaking of Chen Basapa and remembering my pledge, I came here, saved him, and kept my word. God runs to his devotees for help in times of danger. He saved Chen Basapa, the frog, by sending me here. All this is God's leela, or sport. The moral. The moral of the story is that one has to reap what one sows, and there is no escape unless one suffers and squares up one's old debts. The dealings with others and that greed for money drags the greedy man to the lowest level and ultimately brings destruction for him and others. Bow to Sri Sai. Peace be to all. Sri Satchitananda Sadguru Sainath Maharaj Ki Jai.